Welcome to the Dark Academicals, the podcast where we delve into the mythos of dark academia one book at a time. I'm Sophie Waters. And I'm Sarah Purnell. And today we're looking at The Maidens by Alex Michaelides. The Maidens by Alex Michaelides is a dark academia literary thriller about group therapist Mariana, who recently lost her husband in a tragic accident. She's called to Cambridge University by her niece, Zoe, who is studying there after Zoe's best friend Tara is found murdered. Mariana becomes embroiled in the mystery of the murders at Cambridge and takes it upon herself to investigate the case and prove that the murderer is the charismatic Greek tragedy professor Edward Fosker. So this is the second time I've read this book and I was a bit dubious as to whether I'd enjoy it as much the second time because obviously it is a thriller and it's got like the big reveal and the mystery aspect and I knew I'd be looking at it with a, you know, a magnifying glass. Well, I definitely picked up on some things that I didn't pick up the first time round. I still really enjoyed it, but I know that is very different to how Sarah felt. (laughs) I can appreciate why people like it. I just, I I don't know. I don't know for me, it just had a lot of hype. Mm-hmm. And I was expecting more from it. And then it didn't give me that. That's fair enough. I think it also is a little bit misleading because it's marketed as a dark academia literary thriller. Yeah. And I don't, I mean, I guess it is a, it is a thriller. but And I don't read many thrillers, but it's not kind of as twisty and dark as I would kind of expect from the genre. Yeah. And I don't think I'd call it literary, honestly. No, no I just, I, I didn't find anything unexpected. I was expecting to be, like, shocked and, like, find some really... I mean, the ending twist is big, but, like, it didn't shock me. I was like, oh, okay. See, it did shock me the first time I read it. Obviously, I knew what was coming the second time. And I could, you know, it was a lot more obvious piecing it through the novel that way. But the first time I read it, I was shocked. So if you haven't read The Maidens, this is probably a good time to do a spoiler alert because we will be talking about all the twists and all the turns. So if you haven't read it and you don't want to be spoiled, then maybe go and read it and then come back. We'll wait. So before we dive in, we're just going to give you a brief um, content warning for this book. Um... As I'm sure you can expect from the summary, there is um, murder, death, blood, violence, quite graphically in some bits. And there's also um, mental illness, child abuse, domestic abuse and stalking in here. But if you want the full list of um, trigger warnings, you can go to the story graph for the maidens and that kind of details everything in there. And you can have a look over that before you before you get stuck into the book. Without further ado, I guess we should dive in and see what makes The Maidens a Dark Academia title, if it is at all. If it even is. It's a big question. (laughs) Okay, so our first tenet is, as always, a higher education setting. And we can give that a big solid tick. Yes. Because it is set at Cambridge University. So, um, obviously, like, our parenthesis to um, higher education setting is often on campus and usually elite or exclusive in some way. And aside from the beginning, it is all on campus, isn't it, really? It is. It or is. just outside in the in the pubs and the cafes around Cambridge. Mm, I think, interestingly, though, with this one, even though it's set on campus, it's not necessarily concerned with, like, 
the student aspect like the student life aspect no that we would normally kind of look for yeah that's true there's not there's not an academic side to it there's not studying there's not um kind of the explorations of topics pertaining to dark academia there's not any of the i guess the nitty-gritty yeah. Of the I mean, higher uh, education setting. Mariana's already been there and done that. Yeah, so, so she's 36 or 37, I think. Mm. Um, so she did study at Cambridge, but she's obviously come back for Zoe, who is studying. But we don't really know what she is studying. She has uh, a Greek tragedy class, but... No. I don't remember her ever saying what she actually studies, and we don't ever go with Zoe. No. To class. We go to one lecture, don't we? Oh, yeah, we go to one of um, the... But it wasn't really... Oh, it must have been one of her classes. It just felt a bit weird because it was kind of like, uh, oh, let's go to this class. It's always full. Surely (laughs) it can only be as full as it subscribed. Yeah, Yeah, that didn't make sense. But... Yeah, he definitely took some liberties with... uh, Everything, I think. <laughs> like, yes. procedures across the board were... <laughs> had some creative license. I think that's probably where... Because I am a bit of a stickler for certain kinds of details. So when I saw those, yeah. I was like, mm, don't know. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, obviously, with Cambridge Uni comes old Gothic architecture. That's a big tick on that one. I think, like, as soon as... Mariana arrives into Cambridge and she approaches St Christopher's, which is the college at Cambridge that um, Zoe studies at and that Mariana and her late husband, Sebastian, who will become more important later, (laughs) um, (laughs) visited. Like she says something about like the mix of Gothic, neoclassical and Renaissance architecture, I think. Mm. I think most of the talk about Cambridge is of the protection of it. Yeah, I didn't feel like it had like a a presence per se in that, that sometimes yeah. the architecture does in a dark academia. Novel, yeah, it's not a character it? in the novel, is it? No. It's a backdrop. Yeah, and I think because it's well known though as well, you kind of your brain automatically fills in Yeah what it knows about Cambridge or what it expects to find at Cambridge. That's so. true. It's quite lazy writing, actually, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> Letting just the reader's brain fill in the details of what should be quite an important <laughs> element. But okay. I don't think I've ever been to Cambridge. Uh, I can't remember if I have or haven't. Because I've been to Oxford, so I kind of just... Assume it's similar. Yeah, just put them, just put them together. <laughs> so next up is a preoccupation with classical studies, and this is a definite yes. But yeah. also, but in a different way to usual. Yeah, because while we have um, Edward Fosker as the Greek tragedy professor, and that plays in a lot, I think. The biggest issue, not an issue, it's not an issue. 
<laughs> the biggest theme that runs through is kind of Mariana's idea that it's a Greek goddess that is kind of punishing her for something. Yeah. Was it Demeter? Yeah. Demeter and Persephone, isn't it? Yeah. Because she thinks she hears the goddess laughing when she's searching for Sebastian on the beach of Naxos, which he goes swimming and um, he drowns on holiday in Naxos in Greece. And Mariana's Greek, grew up in Athens. Um, So there's lots of links to Greece and Greek mythology. Yeah. There is also the the postcards that... um... Oh, yeah. That are with that appear with every victim, mm-hmm. um, written in ancient Greek. Yeah, and a quote from a tragedy. I can't remember yeah. which one it is. It, I think it varies, doesn't it? Oh, does it? Oh, okay. Yeah, but we don't actually get the kind of class setting, the analysis, the the kind of placing Greek mythology mm. over the actions of the characters it, and the story. It's, it's it's almost like we are on the outside looking in at a dark academia novel, like from where okay. Mariana is placed. Because like, if you imagine, if you if you centered it, even even if you had Zoe as the main character or one mm-hmm. of the maidens as the main character, yeah, and then you'd have like Edward Fosker as like the hero worship type character, or, yeah. and then obviously he's got this thing about the whole ritualistic aspect of, um. That was to do with Persephone as well, wasn't it? Yeah, that's Persephone, yeah. Yeah, this whole cult-like transcendent experience that mm. nobody knows how you reach it anymore, but he knows some of the secrets. So it's it's almost like we're watching... Um, almost like everything that we kind of look for in a dark academia <laughs> novel happening, but it's not happening in the novel that we're yeah. reading. <laughs> it's outside. Yeah. Or inside, I guess. Yeah. That's true, actually. I'd not thought of that, but <laughs> that really is what that novel, this novel is, isn't it? Yeah. And as well, you obviously have The Maidens, the title of the book. But my issue with that is the, the book's not really about The Maidens. No. I mean, they just get killed off. But if it was, like, if one of those, like I said, was the central character, then I think we'd have that a much would more be stronger... Academia. Yeah, argument for a dark academia book. Yeah, definitely. Mariano is an interesting, like, focus character. And I don't think for dark academia, I don't think that was the right perspective. No. It would be an interesting element, like, if you were inside the Maidens and there's this woman, you know, accusing your professor and that would be an interesting angle from there as with Mariana as an antagonist maybe yeah but yeah it it kind of there are lots of things Michael Edis does in this novel that pushes dark academia away instead yeah. of bringing it in when which considering it's marketed as a dark academia thriller, yeah is I mean interesting I mean obviously uh he wrote the book that he wanted to write without oh yeah of course going this was dark academia but obviously the publishers went dark academia we can sell this 
I mean, um, it worked because, you know, we we read it for the podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I read it last year as well before <laughs> before the podcast was even a thought. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a strange one that the classical element here. Yeah. But I did I do really like the idea of the goddess kind of overhanging and like picking on Mariana. I think it could have gone deeper. Yeah, I easily. Think, I think that there's almost um too many strands. Mhm. There's too many things that for me again looking at it from a dark academia perspective like from just generally from a nerd perspective i really liked all of the different strands but yeah. like from a dark academia perspective there's almost too much because obviously you've got um the overarching thing of demeter and persephone and this mm-hmm. kind of story of life and death and um i quite enjoyed that but then also there's a lot of talk about agamemnon and iphigenia and Antigone yeah um and then Tennyson keeps coming in and out of it yeah. quite a lot <laughs> which is a it, odd element in with the ancient Greek yeah it's strange isn't it I think the he it needed to kind of drill down on that one thing and that kind of permeates everything and in, like infects everything yeah I think that is true dark academia with the classical element isn't it yeah. It's that, you know, it's inextricable from the plot and the characters. Yeah. And we don't find that in the Maidens. But what we do find in the Maidens is a whole lot of murder. Oh, there's a whole lot of murder. <laughs> so much murder. There's a lot of um, violence towards women. There is. In the pages of this book. Yes. And... Um, it was another thought that I had that actually would it that there's a there is a comparison um made by oh, I can't remember who says it, but basically how the maidens are like um uh, Tennyson's ten apostles or whatever like Oh, okay. Um I can't remember who says it in there. Somebody says it. Um but yeah, and then they said, Oh, but obviously the maidens are all female, but I don't know if it would have been more interesting if either it was a mix of male and female or or male even. Mm. I just, I don't know. I was a little bit uncomfortable with perpetuating this kind of idea of violence happening yeah. to women. And the idea of like, it's all young, impressionable women under the influence of one charismatic, powerful man who is, yeah. you, know, you know, in a in a position of power over them, over their education their lives and that is actually brought up in the novel as well isn't it like yeah i think mariana confronts fosca and fosca's kind of brushes it off with like well women are smarter yeah as (laughs) if that justifies what it turns out to be big spoiler if you're still here and haven't finished and haven't finished the novel and care about spoilers turns out that he's obviously sleeping with each of them yeah um and it is that gross misuse of power. Um, and it still is he... that gross misuse of power at the end when you find out the twist. Yeah. Because even though it's not, it's not Fosca killing these girls, it's yeah. still kind of the influence of a man 
yeah over a young girl a young girl yeah so again another big spoiler it's actually um so zoe is committing the murders but under the influence and the kind of plan that her and mariana's husband sebastian had put together because him um sebastian and zoe had been um sleeping together since she was mm. or a young teenager basically yeah. 15 15 yeah and they kind of were planning to get rid of mariana and this was kind of even after sebastian died this was how zoe kind of took it forward um i did find it really heavy-handed actually on a second read how every time the murderer was referenced it was used as him yeah there was no they there was no doubt there was no anything it was it was him it was like we couldn't possibly think of a woman doing that hmm which, again, on a, on a second read was really heavy-handed. I think it would have been more natural to use they. Or to at least say there's a doubt here. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time with the... Although I guess it would have been different for you because I listened to the audiobook and the chapters from The Murderer are read by a man. Oh, are they? Whereas um, Mariana's is read by um, a female. And interestingly, obviously, Edward Foster is American. So his speech and narration is read in an American accent. But the murderous chapters were read in an English accent. Uh. So I do wonder how much of a different experience that is that way. Because obviously in the text, you just can't tell. No. There's no kind of indication. But the audiobook, it already says, well, it's not Fosca. Yeah, I always find that an interesting kind of uh, take in audiobooks when they specifically like gender certain bits of the narrative because when you read it just on your own, you're obviously not going to... Well, you you make assumptions, but you're not going to yeah. read it in a voice that's not your own, basically. So Yeah, but you're relying on the text telling you, aren't you? Not the, yeah. not the narrator. So, you know, you know from off the bat, but it, it also does also kind of go, well, it could be this person, this person, this person, yeah. person but it is Sebastian kind of explaining his motivation and giving his his life story of how he became evil basically yeah it's like a villain origin story isn't it yeah alongside the main the main thread hmm but you didn't like that bit did you what so remember was it um one of his that you said oh this Chapter's only two pages long and I'm already fed up of it. No, I, it wasn't Was that actually. One of him? No, that was Mariana. Ah, uh, okay. More <laughs> <laughs> on Mariana no, no. later. <laughs> I, yeah, I did I did struggle a little bit with those sections though too. I did end up kind of skimming them in the end because I just felt like it was just rehashing the same kind of torment over and over. Yeah. Yeah, I see what you mean. Um, and I get that's the whole point of why... Sebastian was having his say was kind of like this is why I'm like this and people often when they are motivated to do bad things they kind of want to go oh it's because of this this is yeah. why I'm like this but also um I don't know 
But just Zoe was... didn't get her say, did she? When she was the one actually doing it. Not really, no. Hmm. I also um I I don't fully understand why well now we're talking about murder, why uh Mariana felt the need to specifically go and see the second girl. Like why did she have to go and see Oh go and see the body. The body. Yeah. Because it didn't add anything. Other than we saw her mutilated body on the page. Yeah. Like, that's the only thing that it And added. Mariana being ill about it. She wanted to go and see it, and then she didn't want to see it, and mm. I don't really know what that added for her. Is it just female violence on the page, isn't it? Yeah. For no real reason. So this is something we were talking about um, during the week, and it was like the female gaze versus the male gaze. Yeah. In novels and specifically in dark academia and just thinking back to like other novels we have seen grisly scenes but i do wonder if it changes the feel of it it's a man writing a woman viewing violence against a woman i think it does i think it definitely it makes my opinion very difficult to pick apart. Yeah. Because I'm not entirely sure of the perspective or the like the motivation or the kind of impetus behind certain choices. Yeah. I think that's a running theme with Mariana as well, isn't it? Yeah. The portrayal of and characterization of Mariana. I think with the second uh, girl, and I, it's going to really bug me that I can't remember what she's called. That's really bad. Is it Veronica? The second girl? Yeah, Veronica. Yeah. Um, she says, when she finally, they she goes under the police tape, she gets through with Julian. Julian aids her to go and see the body um, of Veronica. And she goes, and there it was. It. It was the most horrible thing Mariana had ever seen. She felt afraid to look at it. It didn't seem real. Mm. And I that made me really uncomfortable. And I don't know if it was just obviously just a choice because that is quite a shocking way to describe it. Mm. But I don't know as a female, like obviously I can't generalise for all females, but I just feel like maybe as a woman, Mariana might have more of a different way of thinking about another woman being yeah. mutilated this a child almost. yes i mean she's only 18 isn't she yeah 18 19 yeah like that's visceral enough uh, yeah it's definitely a that's something we're definitely gonna have to continue to unpick i think as we look at these novels is the the difference and the power of like a male versus a female lens yeah because um, it does complicate things and it does change the way kind of characters are read and situations are interpreted doesn't it yeah on from that cheery subject <coughs> <laughs> to a dark moody and or haunting vibe yep to all of the above yeah it definitely had those, but at the same time, it wasn't particularly atmospheric. No. I didn't... 
like I, I could see that it was moody and dark and tense, but I didn't necessarily feel it. Yeah. You know, it was just hovering <laughs> like a cloud. Because <laughs> obviously you've got the murders, you've got kind of Mariana's increasing anxiety about her patient Henry, who we are going to talk a little bit about later on. Um, you've got her kind of trying to look after Zoe, her grief over Sebastian, and all of those are big, heavy topics. Hmm. But they did still feel a little bit superficial to me. You know, I, I again, I think it was, uh, for me, it was a case of she's almost stretched too thin mm. um, for you to fully kind of uh, empathise with her, I yeah. think. I think because she's so changeable, though, as well, because she'll go from being like, oh, I can't possibly, my, my grief won't let me do this, to, oh, this is fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Then we've got hero worship of a particular figure or author. Talked about this a little bit. It's definitely Sebastian and Fosco, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. From actual physical people that they... That Mm. are being kind of hero worshipped. But like I said, there's still a lot of... There's a lot of Tennyson worship. Um, There is a lot of Tennyson. (laughs) I don't think I've read much Tennyson. I can't really say... I haven't either. I'm much of a fan, but um, yeah, Tennyson pops up quite a lot. Isn't there like that? She feels like someone's watching her and she turns around and it's like the statue of Tennyson, mm. which is actually quite creepy. <laughs> <laughs> and she talks about how beautiful he is or something. Yeah, there's a portrait, isn't there? That yeah. She... But yeah, I don't, I don't really know enough about Tennyson, to be honest, but he, um, I do know that he was grieving, wasn't he? Yeah. Like, is it in memoriam? And that plays a large part in the novel, doesn't yeah. it? Especially with Mariana, who kind of connects with Tennyson's process of long mourning. Yeah. Because <laughs> didn't it take him like 10 years to write or something? Something like that, yeah. Something crazy. But they also, Mariana and Zoe, worship Sebastian. Yes. Or the Sebastian that Sebastian creates. Yeah. To hide that he's actually evil, kind of thing. (laughs) In the same way that Fosca does, really, just not to the same extent. Yeah. Fosca... I had an interesting like epiphany about Fosca, but maybe we'll oh, okay. talk about him later with when we look at characters. But okay, intriguing. Mm. <laughs> but I think what's interesting about both of those characters, before you even know, well, for me anyway, before I even knew the reality of who they were and what they were doing, I didn't buy into the charisma of them. No. I didn't Not one buy bit. in. No, I didn't buy into the worship. It wasn't seductive in any way. It was just icky. Yeah, I I was I was getting increasingly frustrated with Mariana how she would 
say things like, oh, I'm I'm very good at reading people. I can listen and I know when they're <laughs> lying. And then with Fosca, she's like, oh, he just seems like a nice guy. Like, what? <laughs> I know. Are you mad? <laughs> like, he's Red Flag City. And yet yeah. she's like, this is fine. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I know and eventually she kind of comes around to the idea that there's something yeah. amiss, but... Also, Sebastian, she was literally married to the guy. That's true. And Zoe. Like, everyone around her is not who they seem. No. Fred is the only kind of straight up... another strange character. It's a very strange addition. Is he just thrown in there just to save her life at the end? I think so. How does he find her? God knows. Because the ending for me, again, it was just a little bit ridiculous. In that I, how I, I reread like parts of it because I was like, I'm not fully understanding what's happening here. She seems to be running away from Zoe through mm-hmm. the undergrowth while Zoe is just like doing that calm horror film killer thing by just walking behind her with a knife and just like explaining everything until eventually she falls over. Yeah. <laughs> and then Fred appears. How does Fred find them? <laughs> God knows. There's something again, sus- suspect about Fred. He is a little bit creepy, so I wouldn't be surprised if he tracked her, you know? That's true. <laughs> Honestly, I thought that Henry was going to come to her rescue. I think that would have been Did more you? of a... I think that would have been better for Henry's character as well. I think yeah, he would have Henry. possibly Honestly. got some kind of... At least some uh, temporary respite or like solace from that. Yeah. Yeah. But he, yeah, he took the, uh, took that in a completely different direction. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So next up we have old money, which will collide with new money or no money. Uh, a little bit in um, kind of Sebastian's, like, discussions about their his family growing up with no money and obviously yeah. mariana grew up with money and her dad has a lot of money and she inherited it and kind of zoe crows that that's why sebastian stayed with her kind of thing i mean sebastian money. still manages to go to cambridge mm. yeah. i know obviously student loans and things like that but yeah, like course, it's yeah. still generally it's a lot harder if you come from no money to be able oh, to yeah. go to cambridge definitely definitely so it's it's briefly mentioned, but I don't think it's it's not a significant part of the novel or the character, really, is it? No. It's kind of just thrown in there. <laughs> <laughs> I guess they need a, a legitimate reason to be able to buy that house in London. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Move straight on to weather as a literary the weather. device. Mm. Uh, I think this is another yes but no for most of the novel no yeah I mean when weather plays its part it tends to be quite obvious yeah it's not not like a seamless kind of it's not seamlessly in the narrative and then things happen because of the weather it's almost like I think it even says at one point doesn't it like yeah the weather was very fitting I can't remember it's near the end isn't it yeah so literally um just before the kind of the big showdown 
Almost immediately the weather changed, as if responding to events in college, summer, having held on for so long, finally withdrew. A chilly wind hissed through the courtyards, it started spitting rain, and in the distance a thunderstorm could be heard rumbling. It's very it's a bit heavy, heavy handed. Yeah, it's very heavy handed, it's very obvious. Um because the weather's not really there, it's just doing what it does. <laughs> you don't really, it doesn't have any impact on the story, it doesn't provide a backdrop to anything so much. It's not, it's not used to its full potential. No, I think that's probably why it's suddenly quite jarring when it's like, oh, by the way, there's weather. Yeah. Because um, like, up until hello. that point, you just assume that it's just grey british weather yeah just standard yeah because it's also like a start of a new section as well like it goes straight bam massive thunderstorm everything's changing it's it's too obvious Mm. i think our last tenet of dark academia is underdeveloped social skills our last tenet of dark academia is underdeveloped social skills or the protagonist is portrayed as an outsider um i think to a degree mariana is isolated by her grief and her lonely upbringing um yeah but she very much has like a a found family at cambridge like she's quickly welcomed back in like she Mm. doesn't have any problem i mean and she doesn't i mean yeah, I I don't think that this applies to her at all. No, I don't think so. The only thing I could kind of pull out of it is that she is an outsider in believing Fosca is guilty. That's but that's, yeah, that's probably true. stretching it quite far. Yeah. <laughs> but that yeah, that's the only thing really that kind of struck me about Mariana in that way. Yeah, I suppose the only thing that makes her an outsider as she kind of investigates this is the fact that she's not a student. So that automatically yeah. puts her on the outside in that respect. But like she's got plenty of contacts and people that know her on the faculty. And mm. she doesn't seem to have a problem socialising or yeah. like approaching people. No, that's true. She's very confident, isn't she, in herself yeah. and what she believes. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Shall we go on to criticisms? Yes. So, Sarah has lots of these. So, <laughs> go for it. <laughs> oh, I think what initially rubbed me up the wrong way was uh, the way that Mariana, as a... I think she uh, calls herself a psychotherapist. Yes. Is that right? Yeah. She doesn't talk very nicely about people with mental health problems like her own people that she's trying to treat she Mm. talks about them in a very kind of it's not derogatory but like it's nearly yeah she always like invalidates them and like Mm. it's all uh i think she says about henry at one point that um considering his traumatic childhood he's very clever or something like that like well why wouldn't he be yeah, and like he made it, he got into a uni, but then dropped out because he couldn't handle it. Or, but he's close to a genius or something like yeah. that. Yeah, she she f- repeatedly fails in her duty of care. 
yeah. to her patients, doesn't she? In the way she thinks about them, describes them, the way she treats them. And in the way that she doesn't kind of trust her instincts as to, you know, whether this needs to be called up higher, you know? Yeah. Especially yeah. with Henry. Henry needed intervention a lot sooner. Yeah. And not not in like a, oh, well, he needs to be locked away. No, he just needed better help, help that she could not give him. Yeah. Basically. Definitely. In a one-on-one situation. Yeah. And it escalated to a point that he ended up being hospitalised, sectioned, yeah. and then medicated. Mm. And I don't think it, it needed to go there. It didn't go that far, no. Also, I, I don't fully understand what the whole point of Henry's Henry's character was in the way that how it ended for him. So no. if if it had ended in a in the sense that like Henry had been the one that stepped in and kind of because obviously it, it would be the obvious choice he's stalking her. So yeah. why why wouldn't he be the one that then like jumps in and kind of saves her and saves the day and kind of has this whole like almost like redeeming moment for himself. I mean obviously he still needs the help oh needs yeah, better help but like yeah. it, it just it just felt like he was a almost like a scapegoat for the reader to kind of go oh well it's him isn't it because he's yeah. obviously a nutter um he was a I, throwaway character yeah to, to the novel and i, I just think, think it's a bit ways. damaging for people who yeah. are struggling with mental health and we don't really ever find out what his actual if he has an actual like diagnosis i don't think other than the fact that no. he had a traumatic childhood um which again i don't think is very helpful it just seems to be like this umbrella term of mm. somebody who is mentally unwell doing bad things yeah i think there's also she talks about how um you know some people who have a traumatic childhood are totally fine but there's just something wrong or something irreparably broken yeah with some people who have a traumatic childhood that makes them you know go off the deep end like yeah. it's very black and white, very damaging. Yeah. View of mental health, and that is through Mariana as well, yeah. considering her profession, and that she's constantly described as being empathetic, <laughs> and that empathy is her her downfall. You know, because she she kind of cares for everyone. No, she needs some. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think that she's incredibly selfish. She is very selfish, yeah. Um, I don't understand her motivations for going to Cambridge. Other than, at first, obviously, to go and oh, see yeah. her niece. Who, for a long while, we don't even realise is her niece, I don't think. I don't think it's no. completely clear, the relationship. No. It's not until she's telling Fred, I think. Yeah. Some, that yeah. she's there for her niece. Because we don't, we don't even really find out why she's even with, why she even grew up with Sebastian and Mariana for a really yeah. long time either. Um, yeah, it's very, it's very odd. Very odd. But even when she's in Cambridge, she doesn't really spend much time with Zoe. No. Obviously, I, I get try and pump her for information. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, I guess part of that is you know Zoe needs time to go and do the murdering but <laughs> yeah i don't know 
strange relationships in this book. Very strange. Like, but strange as in they don't quite make sense. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing, it's not, not necessarily a criticism. It's just something that I noticed because, you know, secret history on the brain. There's a Julian and a Henry. There is. And they are very different takes on Julian and Henry. They're similar, but but different, aren't they? They're almost like how Julian and Henry would have been. Next step along. Yeah. Like, and taken out of the 80s. <laughs> yeah. You know, or you could see kind of Julian in The Maidens. This is a precursor to Secret History Julian. Or like that cocky, knows everything will introduce you to this world will don't worry she's with me yeah you know bringing you into that fold and i guess henry if if secret history henry didn't grow up with the privilege that he did yeah and the control <laughs> just yeah just a, a quick side note there <laughs> yeah that's interesting secret history parallels as always I mean, there's plenty, isn't there? I mean, there's the whole maiden's ritual, mystic yep. aspect is very much like the um, Dionysian mm. kind of thing they want to evoke in the secret history to have yeah. this transcendent um, experience. Experience. Um, I'm sure I bookmarked a page about that because I took umbrage with the interpretation. <laughs> There's the female mind thing. That's lovely, isn't it? I took umbrage to that too. (laughs) Uh, More of Mariana being an idiot. (laughs) She's just not very... I know we're probably going to talk about her more in a minute, but she's just not very um, aware for someone who is trained to listen. And be aware. Mm. I think she was considerably dumbed down. Uh, it's the bit where he's like, kind of explaining the thing. Which must uh, is that during the lecture? In the lecture, yeah. About how it's like about life and death, and oh, it says something about um about how. Uh, if a Janiya kind of gave herself up to um, for her country and yeah, yeah, must have had this kind of transcendent experience of being on the edge of what it means to be human and life and right. death and stuff. And um, I actually, think actually, no, she was just sacrificed by men <coughs> for yeah. men. I think what's interesting is the decision to interpret it that way because the uh, a lot of the ancient Greek. Um, literature that obviously survives was written by men mm-hmm. through a lens of men without yep. any kind of consideration for how a woman might have felt in that moment. Yeah. So they probably would have just written, she did a great thing for her country. Well done. Well, well done. done. But I mean, the <laughs> it says nothing about the despair or the rage or the fear or mm-hmm. you know, anything that 
yeah. someone like she's yeah, a set a piece yeah she's a set piece i think that's something that like with like the boom of greek mythology retellings at the moment that female authors are trying to yeah. correct yeah which i love yeah but it would have been a powerful move for that to be done in this novel yeah i think it was a missed opportunity i think so but yeah i'm not massively confident about alex mcleady's kind of general portrayal of women or feelings about them yeah <laughs> you know it's a little bit iffy hmm. it's the only book of his i've read i've not read the silent patient no me neither shall we do a deep dive on mariana i suppose so she just for someone that comes across as quite clever mm-hmm. and quite intelligent in in many you'd, you'd assume you one would like to assume that as a psychotherapist she has quite a good amount of people skills and yeah. emotional intelligence mm-hmm. and yet she seems to have none <laughs> yeah she's very trusting and very suspicious but the wrong way round. yeah she seems to be trusting of the people that are trying to con her. <laughs> yeah. And very suspicious of people that seem to be just genuine. Like Fred. Yeah. Fred. Um, yeah, she seems to have everything tied in a knot. <laughs> she, she makes questionable life choices. Like, yes. right at the beginning, when after a group session at mm. her house... Henry shows her how he is self-harmed and yeah it you know he's obviously exhibiting quite um worrying behavior and not only does yeah. she have no kind of sense of duty of care over him she's like bye have some plasters please leave go see your doctor yeah. she then goes i probably should lock my front door but i resisted the urge to which i mean she lives in london that's insane anyway. It just... It and then no sense. you see it again at the end. Like... Mm-hmm. Um, her previous colleague, Theo, now works yeah. at where Zoe is being held on a mm-hmm. psychiatric unit. Yeah. And he goes, I've just got to go and see to another patient. Wait there, I'll be right with you. She goes, how about I don't? walks right in like what are you walking into other than a silly situation also she shouldn't really be able to get in no i mean i'm assuming that's where she's walking in it doesn't tell you where she's walking yeah. into but you assume she's there, going into the, like the recreation room mm. um uh, to see zoe but even theo is theo as a professional is telling her that zoe is not the same girl that she knew and yeah. that could mean anything. anything, like literally anything. And I don't know if it's particularly wise as a, or again, as a fellow, like in the set works in the same field to then walk into a room full of people who are unknown. Yeah. With you one, know what you're going to, with one that, with. yeah, exactly. With one that could have any kind of reaction towards you. Yeah. It's just straight up not safe, is it? No. Like, for anyone involved. No. Yeah. She also does it as well, though, when um, 
she knows that she shouldn't go to dinner with Fosca. And goes. Everything is telling her that she should not go. And then there's all this build-up of her walking down the gothic corridors. And the weird setup, she finds the postcard and she's like, oh shit, he murdered someone. And she stays. Yeah. It's absolutely nuts. Like, zero sense of self-preservation exactly. at any point. None. Absolutely none. Which, when you're investing, investigating a murder against direct police orders, by the way, just, like, just, I can't think of the word. No, it's gone. Don't have any words. <laughs> no words. It's just stupid. She <laughs> puts herself. Gonna, she's gonna. Uh, it. 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 I don't know how she didn't end up dead. I know it is a true miracle. I mean, she follows Morris at one point over a wall, like right. she clambers a wall to follow the the. Well, he's a porter essentially. Is yeah. he the porter? Yeah. To spy on him. I mean, that could have mm-hmm. got really dangerous. Yeah. And she gets when she gets followed along the canal. Yeah. Do we ever find out who that was? No, but it was probably Henry, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, probably. But obviously I don't know Cambridge, but I can't imagine it's very well lit. No. Down on canal and I, parts. I don't and... fully understand why she runs down, again, like a back path. So hopefully the back gate would be open, like... No. That's against everything you're taught as a woman to yeah. survive. Because unfortunately, that is a thing that we have to be taught. Yeah. But it it goes against every instinct. But again, it's a man writing that. Yeah. She. I mean, at first she does the right thing. She crosses the road to be with yeah. that couple. But I mean, if I was that bothered that somebody was following me, I would have just gone and knocked on their door. You know they're yeah. in. Yeah. Be like, excuse me, sorry. Um, I'm really scared because I think someone's following me. Or you intercept them and you have yeah. a conversation with them and you kind of yeah, exactly. try and in- ingratiate yourself in that group so that whoever's following you thinks, oh, with other people, wait till they've gone, then you explain. And you know, like, order a taxi. <laughs> Do something Just but don't something. run down the dark alley. <laughs> you know, like... But again, I do wonder if that is part of the male perspective there yeah because do men understand the lengths we have to go to in that kind of situation i don't know do they understand what we are taught about you know walking outside in the dark (laughs) especially in the dark yeah yeah i don't know (laughs) it's not good it's not good yeah basically mariana's a bit of an idiot quite a lot of the time (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> is the uh, verdict here. Yeah. She, she also doesn't really solve anything. She doesn't solve anything. Literally like nothing. Whole, the whole... The whole... Nothing. Oh, I think she gets credit at the end, doesn't she, for being suspicious about Fosca's relationship with the girls. Is it Detective... I mean, that doesn't... That didn't take much... No, I mean that's I mean that was obvious. suspicious from the off, wasn't yeah. it? I've got a group of really pretty girls, only pretty girls, young, fertile, nubile women in a special study group. Which they have private lessons in his 
quarters. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> immediately sus. But then again, I didn't go to a, a a scary top university like that. Is that a thing? I don't know. <laughs> it, it shouldn't sh- be. Surely, it, surely it'd still be office hours, right? Yeah. <laughs> there has to be rules about this stuff. I don't know. But then again, does Cambridge play by the rules? I don't think so. Probably not. Can't imagine so. Um, the only other character that I I like, I had like a a mini epiphany about Edward mm. Fosker and it's the way that he to me is described almost like a classic vampire <laughs> so when she first meets him he just disappears but leaves behind like like a wisp of cigarette smoke oh yeah and then and then he does it again and i can't remember what it's described as the second time but like oh it's the way she feels like he's something like he's it's like a uh something about like a bat yeah and the way he dresses in his like his velvet jacket he's like lestat from like interview with a vampire (laughs) he's described as dazzling as well isn't he yeah like. She's very vampiric and then preying <laughs> on these like young women in white dresses. It's very Dracula-esque, yeah. isn't it? Oh my God. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. That's quite an epiphany. It's <laughs> like, this guy's a vampire. <laughs> <laughs> Unexpected twist to this thriller. <laughs> I actually would have liked it a lot better. What, if, if, if he was a vampire. <laughs> I mean, does a vampire in a novel ever make it worse? No. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> so, yeah. Final thoughts. Can you sum it up in a sentence? Not for me. No. That's fair. I enjoyed it for what it is. I think a lot could be done to make it better. But it's an enjoyable... <laughs> not for Sarah <laughs> I found it an enjoyable romp I guess but I don't think if you're a seasoned thriller reader I am not at all it I says, do not think it will be appreciated it says on the back the greatest campus novel since The Secret History by Donna Tartt excuse you <laughs> where does it say that Tony Parsons you're a liar no that's incorrect who is that guy? <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Oh, here we go. This uh, oh, this is on his Wikipedia. His novels typically deal with relationship problems, emotional dramas, and the traumas of men and women in our time. He describes his writing as men lit, as opposed to the female chick lit. No, get I think, out. I think that tells you everything you need to know. Well, there we go. Men lit. That went off topic. Apologies. Is it Dark Academia? No. 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 Just no. no. (laughs) I mean, at least I can see how it got there with this one. I can see... Yeah. It's got... It's it's in the right ballpark, but it's playing the wrong sport. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, agreed. Definitely. I think as well, Thriller and Dark Academia... 
are opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah. For me. Yeah. Because a thriller is fast-paced, lots of secrets, bam, 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 bam. Whereas Dark Academia is that slow, languid kind of unveiling, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And there are mysteries and there are secrets, but it's it's just dealt with so differently. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I just don't think those two things work together in the same way. That's my feeling anyway. Mm, I agree. Yeah. So that is The Maidens by yes. Alex Michaelides. Um, next time will be our um, Dark Academia adjacent novel of the season and we will be exploring the fabulous gothic cla- classic The Picture of Dorian Gray by Oscar Wilde very excited I love this book would you like to take it away and tell the people what Dorian Gray is about Oscar Wilde's alluring novel of decadence and sin was a success to scandal on publication. It follows Dorian Gray, who, enthralled by his own exquisite portrait, exchanges his soul for eternal youth and beauty. Influenced by his friend Lord Henry Wotton, he is drawn into a corrupt double life, indulging his desires in secret while remaining a gentleman in the eyes of polite society. Only his portrait bears the traces of his depravity. Yay! <laughs> I think this will be like my fourth, third or fourth time reading this book. I've not read it. I'm read it. Have you not? No. Oh, you are in for such a treat. <laughs> I wrote my first essay for my bachelor's degree on this book and my first essay for my master's on this book. Wow. We hope you enjoyed listening to us discuss The Maidens by Alex Michaelides. And we hope to see you next time. Bye. Bye.